Today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 7, which is what I titled, Time's Up. Uh, God informed Noah in chapter 6 that he was going to, to flood the earth, and that the only ones who would be making it through was Noah and his family, which is eight people altogether. So a lot of questions have been asked. Why would God flood the earth? And it's a simple, simple answer to that question, because the earth was flooded with evil. Chapter 6, I titled Noah, A Diamond in the Rough. And uh, chapter 6, God told Noah, in 120 years, that's it. The earth will be flooded. But what, what's neat about Noah was, from the time God spoke to him to the final day of the flood, Noah was obedient and faithful for for longer than most people get to live nowadays. And and right now we're we're in August of 2016. And I I just read an article on why people have been believing in God less and less. There was 20% who left their childhood faith because of the harm they've seen in churches and other organizations uh, that were claiming to be faith-based. It said that uh, it was said that it's become more like a business driven by money. And then there was another 18% that decided to stop believe, uh, believing and leaning towards science and other theoretical aspects. But the last thing noticed uh, as an overall broader landscape study, 78% who, did, um, who didn't identify with a religious uh, faith-based group were raised uh, in one as a child and ended up leaving as adults. A lot of kids grow up in the church nowadays, but they don't grow up with God. Uh, they go to the building, and they leave God at the building. But those who walk with God, they have Him everywhere at all times. Whoever walks with God, God walks with them as well. And, and we may not have the task of building an ark for 120 years, but our lives itself is the task. Building our walk with God and preparing ourselves for eternity is the task that all are called to do. And I've said it before, if you have children or if you have grandchildren, we should never have to ask what our ministry or, or our calling is. See, Noah prepared his family for the right things. And we will see the results. The, the simple thing was that he, he trusted God. And, and it's amazing what someone can do without, a, uh, without power tools and, and machinery when God directs someone for his work. And a lot of people... From what we can see nowadays, and especially after looking at some of the statistics that were just read off, a lot of the aspects of people's minds are, well, I don't really need God because I'm doing pretty well. Everything's going really well for me. I have my career. I have my house. I have my cars. My family's doing well. My health is good. But then again, it seems to, to be uh, an issue that he gets called on when when catastrophe hits or those that didn't follow him want to blame him still even though they didn't walk with him so when we look at the evil of this world we, we, I couldn't even imagine what it was like this uh, back then if God had to do what he did and, and who can question him who can say what he did was was wrong and by doing so we would be saying that we know more than he does. We would be saying that we're more merciful than he would be. But a lot of people do ask, well, if, if there was a God, why does he allow such things? Well, we can see that he didn't. He didn't allow these things, which is why he did what he did. So this is important, again, why we do what we do. 
going through the Bible as a whole in order to see who God really is. From front to back, it's really hard to say we could we could say we know God until we've read the whole Bible. And so that's the, that's the goal of a voice in the distance ministries is basically to make God known first and foremost, and and to bring people to Him, but to equip the saints and to preach to those that have never heard it before. Well, that's what Noah was doing. Noah was trying to do that by the building of the ark. He got he had 120 years. And so he had quite the task ahead of him. But again, why Noah was a great leader was because he was led first and foremost by God himself. And therefore, because of that, it made him a great leader. and It made him a great legacy, not just in life, but in, but in the word of God as an example. So if you have a Bible, let's turn to Genesis chapter 7. And we're going to take a look here at the final, at the great flood that we've been, we've been hearing about. A lot of people have heard of Noah's Ark, but we've never really, a lot of people have never really dug into why. So let's take a look here, and let's take a look at uh, Genesis chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. And it says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, and you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven, each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two of two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, and also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made." And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. So from chapter 6 to 7, we have 120 years has passed. And Genesis covers a, a very wide variety of time between chapters. Uh, but the book of Genesis as a whole covers about a 2,500 year time span of historical events. Uh, Noah, Noah had his work cut out for him here. Building, building of the ark, a 120 year project. And he is storing food for himself and his family, as well as possibly thousands of animals being fed as well, uh, that he was in charge of. Now, clean and unclean animals were separated as some were uh, edible, as others were not. Uh, the book of Leviticus gives a list of the clean and unclean animals and the dietary laws that were given. Uh, but Noah, Noah is an example. He's, again, he is the example of a faithful, obedient servant of God. Verses 1 and 5 shows Noah's character. Verse 1 said, I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. That being the word of God himself. Second, verse 5, and it said, And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. So we see why God chose him. It was because of these two verses here. God, God seen him in his true heart, and God chose him due to his uh, continual obedience. And one of my favorite passages in the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. And I'd like to think that after seeing that proverb once again, looking at Noah and how, and how God uh, used him, and how Noah was able to stay the course, was a perfect example of this proverb. And we can see that Noah did just that. So God said for 40 days and 40 nights it'll rain on the earth. 
the number 40 in biblical numerology was considered a number of trial or judgment. And this was really the first account that we got to see of that number being used. Uh, but throughout the Bible, the number 40 is seen all over the place. And just to give you a few examples of, of why or how, uh, we could take Moses, for example. Uh, Moses was on the mount for 40 days uh, speaking with God as God was giving him the Ten Commandments. We have our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end of his fast, Satan himself shows up and, and, and tries, to, uh, tries to get him to, to worship him and to, and to uh, fall into that trap as, as he got uh, done with his 40-day fast. And then we have Jesus who took 40 lashes, which 39 would have been considered the number of mercy. But Jesus took 40, which was a number of judgment and uh, trials. We have Goliath from the story of David and Goliath. We have Goliath who was taunting the Israelites for 40 days. So he was, he was putting fear into the Israelites for, for a period of 40 days uh, before the battle happened between David and Goliath. And then, of course, the ever so famous 40 years of wandering in the desert during the exodus with Moses, uh, during the escape from Egypt. And these are, these are just a few examples, okay? So Moses was wandering through the desert with everybody for 40 years when it was only about 11 to 12 day journey. And God caused them to, uh, uh, to pass the promised land that was given them. Due to disobedience and due to, uh, uh, due to murmuring and complaining. And we look over here at the years in the United States, you know, areas of the country that's faced major floods and, and unfortunately continue to do so. Uh, it seems to be one of the uh, more common catastrophes that we see. Uh, I'm a chaplain on the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team, and, and one of the highest deployments um, that, are, that are sent out are places due to floods. Uh, I would say a close second would be earthquakes, but for the most part, we see that floods seem to be more of the natural catastrophe that seems to happen. Uh, for those who remember, in 2005, uh, Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, Louisiana, and it was reported that 20 feet of water in some areas uh, was hit with over billions of dollars of damage in just the city alone. And now as bad as that was for those who witnessed the event, we, we can't even fathom 40 days and nights of non-stop rain. Okay? And, and we have some places that experience drought. And this shows that we really want to be in God's good graces. Okay? So man cannot manufacture water, nor can man stop a catastrophe. So I've always said and I've always thought to myself that uh, I want to know where God stands. So that way I could be standing right there next to him. <laughs> you want to be standing in the safest area possible. So to know where God stands is, is to stand next to him in the, in, the, in the safest place that one can be. Take a look at verse 6 through 12. It says, Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. So Noah with his sons, his wife and his sons, wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth, two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. 
And the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now, one of the interesting things to see is how did, how did the animals know to go in the ark? And, and two of each. See, Noah could not have traveled to collect all of these. Uh, it actually said that they came to Noah. And then we also had, uh, there was also seven of clean animals which were going to be used for sacrifice, which will be noticed uh, in the next chapter. But God controls all things. All throughout the Bible, God has actually utilized animals to a task. Uh, we have uh, also another very popular uh, story that a lot of kids like to uh, like to talk about is Jonah and the belly of the fish. Uh, Jonah was Jonah was called to preach to a very violent nation called Nineveh. Well, he tried to get away from doing that, and to make a long story short, God showed up with a storm. And uh, a bunch of the sailors on the ship found out that Jonah was behind it, and he got cast over the bo- over the boat. And uh, a great fish was sent by God to catch uh, Jonah, swallow him up, and then for three days and three nights took Jonah on a little swimming cruise just to vomit him out on the land that he was um, that he was supposed to be on. Uh, we have a false prophet by the name of Balaam, and this guy has been mentioned throughout the Bible. And oh gosh. Uh, in so many different chapters over a period of over a thousand years. Uh, Balaam was riding on a donkey to basically uh, to cause problems to the Israelites. Again, long story short, an angel was standing in the road with a flaming sword and caused the donkey to knock Balaam off. And then when Balaam started to attack the donkey, a spirit went, the spirit went into the donkey and was able to, the donkey was able to speak to Balaam. And so therefore, Balaam had a conversation with his donkey. We have Elijah, the prophet. And we have uh, the ravens who fed him while he was in hiding from the people who wanted him dead. Because Elijah prayed for no rain in the, in the region of Israel for one year. Uh, the people of Israel at that time were worshipping a, a false god by the name of Baal. Who was a god of fertility and also a god of, of rain and weather. Well, again, he was a false god that never existed. Noah, I mean, not Noah. I'm sorry. Uh, Elijah prayed for rain. No rain there to be ha- to be had for one year, and, and that's exactly what happened. So they blamed him, wanted to kill him. So he was hiding out. God used uh, ravens to basically feed him. So it's really interesting stories on how God has utilized animals, and we see how He controls all aspects of all living things. So, at this time, rain had not been known from the beginning uh, to now, okay? So, rain was unknown, and it looked to be more of like a water evaporation blanket that kept things growing back in these days, because rain was never seen, rain was never heard of. And it wasn't, and Noah, was the, um, Noah was the very first one to ever hear about, from Scripture, that there was going to be a downpour of rain. So, a, a double dose of water actually sandwiched the earth. Uh, it came from above and and also as um, and below as, as verse eleven says fountains of the deep opened from the ground, which we do have underground water tables to this day. So we kind of have an understanding here of what that's about. There was actually underground water that opened up and caused it to flood as as also as as it was raining from the sky. So there was a kind of like a sandwiching of water from from top to bottom. So that must have really filled things up quick. So the test of faith on Noah and his family is being seen here. 
they're not aware of rainfall, and second, having to wait in the uh, ark for a week, confined with numerous animals, is a test in itself. Now, we may not be able to relate considering the circumstance, but no other person on earth spent 120 years building an ark and then living on it for a good period of time while the earth is underwater. But what we can relate to is, is trials and tests. When you look at the scenario, Noah and his family knew uh, that they were it, that they were it. Okay, they knew that no one was going to be left on the earth but them, eight people. And and when we get into a catastrophe of our own, we can easily think about ourselves. Uh, we could think that we're the only ones on earth; that no one else is going through what I am. And God allows us to face things to see how we'll deal with it. And most of all, will we rely on him during the trial is what he looks for. See, Noah, he showed great leadership amongst his family. If you want to be a leader in your family or anywhere, you must first be led by God. And, and another famous passage I like uh, from the book of Psalm, uh, Psalm 32, verse 8 says, God will instruct me and teach me in the way I should go, and he will guide me with his eye. And I think that, uh, that Noah can definitely relate to this. And I would say about myself that my next good decision in life would probably be my first. <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is because I've recognized who was behind the good decisions for me. It was the Lord. And, and Noah's best decision was to be a part of God. And, and then second was to do exactly what he said. See, I've experienced both listening to him and not listening to him. And I'm thankful for his mercies, but the effects of, of disobedience were definitely felt on my end. I, I've said before, and I'll, I, you'll find me repeating myself for good reason. Because there's a lot of scars we carry that we probably did not necessarily have to have. And it's due to stubbornness. And it's due to us really wanting to do what it is we want to do, rather than allowing him to speak to us and, and, and going through with what it is he said to do. And so when you could reflect back on your life and you could look back at yourself and, and shake your head and say, you know, I have definitely done this way too many times in my life. Yes, I definitely have uh, many scars that I did not need to have. But again, thanks be to a merciful God, he allowed us to live through it. And sometimes we've got to recognize those scars that we have in order to learn from them. Now again, was, was, Noah, was Noah perfect? Absolutely not. Considering closest to it would be yes in his generation, but without sin? No, I would, he was definitely not without sin. But he stayed the course. That was the important thing. Now let's take a look here at verse 13 to 16. And it says, On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of its sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all flesh in which is the, the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Now, hearing this account over the years, and once again looking at it, brought to my attention. Um, as all were aboard, God closed them in. Knowing what was to come, one would have to wonder what would, went through the mind of Noah and his family. 
knowing that as soon as God shut them in, knowing what was going to happen, what was going through their minds. And I've heard the accounts of people who, who went to prison. And this is not a comparison to Noah, but, but a comparison to a life-changing event. Um, but the comment that was made was it became real to me when I heard the bars or the cell door close behind me. And then I've heard that a few times, whether it be from people I've known or people that I've seen on television or on documentaries. They've all said, a lot of them have said the same thing. When I heard the sound of that door close, I knew it was real. It became real to me when that happened. And, and this is where God says, once again, time's up. And verse 16 says, the Lord shut him in. 120 years is a good amount of time to prepare for things. Uh, the, the Bible describes God to be long-suffering, which means that God is slow to anger, and, and really he puts up with more things than any human understanding can. So God gives chances beyond any, any giving person will. And God doesn't point at somebody and say, I'm, I'm going to shut you out. See, we're the ones who shut him out. He doesn't point and say, I'm, I just don't want anything to do with you. He created every one of us. He gives us the choice. He gave the choice to the world. And they made the choice. And therefore the results were what we've seen. And at the end of our Bible, we have the book called Revelation. Um, now what we're looking at right now is the earlier stages of life and how man and his family were in God's safe hands. But going to Revelation, we see the end of Scripture. Uh, but when we see, we see the Lord does not change, even at the end of Scripture. See, going to Revelation chapter 3, Jesus speaks to one of seven churches that he, he wanted to address. He spoke to a church called Laodicea, which was labeled a church that was lukewarm. And he told them, he said, that because, the, because you are neither hot or cold, but lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And, and lukewarm anything does not taste good by any means. But what he said in chapter 3, verse 20 of Revelation to that church was, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and him with me. See, that was, the, that was the words of the Lord. If you want me, I will be a part of you, he says. And Noah was it. Uh, the rest of the world wanted the opposite. Someone may say or think, well, how do you know that? Well, you could look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. It says, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him, to whom we must give an account. And the reason for this was the choice of mankind in the world at that time. We have the ability and the free will to make any choice we want. We're just not free from the repercussions. And that's the, that's the thing we must understand. We have to understand that, that we may not ever have to open our mouths. But God knows every inner thought. And he knows every, everything in our hearts. And therefore, we have to really understand that we have to be as real as possible. Real as possible with Him, first and foremost. Because nothing is hidden from Him. We might be able to, to uh, be a shining light to people out there. Our fruit might look good, but inside that shiny skin can sometimes lie a hollow piece of fruit. 
and therefore, and that's what God's seen is He's seen the real He's seen the real fruit that came from Noah, and He's seen the 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 abilities that uh, that He that He had in, in worship and in fellowship with Him. It was a sad day that whatever the population of the world is at that time, that only eight people, only eight people said that I would be willing to walk with God. And may God help us today as we look at, let's look at verse 17 to 24. And it says, Now the flood was on the earth forty days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed fifteen cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts of every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And every man, all in whose nostrils was in the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground. Both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air, they were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. So the flood is one of many accounts in the Bible debated by people of all walks. Uh, that, it, that it really never happened. Now, the interesting thing is scientists and geologists who are not Bible believers say that there is proof from all over the world that a flood did occur at one time. And in, in some of the highest mountains and places were discovered some ancient seashells uh, embedded in the ground from digs. And other forms of sea life as well were found in these mountains. And I'm talking very high mountains as well. And, and these weren't placed there. I'm, these were from archaeological digs that were found. Uh, another fact is the remnants of the ark uh, was found at Mount Ararat in Turkey. Uh, Mount Ararat is a 17,000 foot high mountain and, and the remnants of the ark was witnessed by numerous and various accounts of people also including militaries who have seen and documented it themselves. So the question is, is why is it not in a museum or why is it not part of a monument? Why do we not, why are we not able to see this ourselves? And, and to my understanding the area has been forbidden for, um, for people to go to uh, or near it as it's been blocked off. Okay, and that's fine, considering God is allowing many other things to be found from the Bible. And, and check it out for yourself. It's amazing what's been discovered uh, from, from the forms of archaeology. I've been, dis- I've been uh, uh, studying biblical archaeology for a long time, and, and it's so amazing to consider the fact that, that, wow, he allowed us to see that these things did exist. See, God knows the, the mind of every skeptic person. So therefore, he allows us to find the truth. And to this day, we're still digging up stuff. And so 150 days they were in the ark, and which comes down to about five months. And I've talked to people who have gone on a, on a two-week luxury cruise to exotic islands, and, and, and people go uh, stir-crazy on a cruise ship after a couple weeks. Uh, the patience and obedience of Noah and his family is definitely inspiring. You know, you have the confinement in the ark with animals, and it's not exactly something that you would, that you would see on somebody's to-do list in life. But if there is something on the to-do list in life, it's to make sure that it gets done when God has instructed us to do whatever the task he has given us. 
I think the last thing anyone wants to hear is time's up. But the reality of life is that everyone faces that saying, time's up. The difference maker is what will you do with the time that's been given to you? Could you imagine being one of Noah's neighbors near the ark, knowing that they're safe in the ark while everything is coming down and and their life is flashing before their very eyes, which it has to be absolute torture. But again, that wasn't God's desire. The world, uh, the world and, and, and the wickedness is what it was. I, I read what Jesus said to the church in Revelation 3. I stand at the door and knock. And when it seems like no one else will come and be by your side, he will. The Bible says that the Lord's coming back one day. We just don't know when. The question to the to the believers is, are you preparing for his return or for your departure to him? And if, if you do not know the Lord, now is your chance. If he said, time's up, will you be able to say that I'm ready? When Jesus was on the cross... When they hung him on the cross, there was there were two other guys up there next to him. And it said in the Gospels that, that he was being taunted. But all of a sudden, one of the ones next to him, something came over him. And all of a sudden, he started to yell out. He was just like, wait a minute. We deserve to be up here, but he does not. He has done nothing wrong, but we deserve to be up here. And he looked at Jesus and he said, Father, will you remember me when you enter in your kingdom? And it said that Jesus looked at him and said, Assuredly, I say to you, you will be with me today in paradise. Well, all he had to say was, will you remember me? When you enter in your kingdom. I think the neatest thing is that the fact that Jesus himself knew his true heart. A lot of people would ask that question on their deathbed. But when you are on your, when you're asking with a true heart for the Lord to re, to be received, he knows it. Again, nothing is hidden from God's sight. So the question is, is do you believe? The question is, is do you want Him? The question is, is do you want to have a relationship with Him? Do you want to be a follower? Do you want to be in His good graces? Well, there's a simple, there's a simple way to become one of His. It's a simple prayer of faith. A simple prayer of receiving Him. So if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you by any chance, and if you feel led that you want your that you want the Lord as Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because the only thing that's for sure in life is 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 one day that we're not going to be here, and there are two different places of eternity. Question is, is which one do you want to go to? See, we serve a God of invitation. And the God of invitation invites us to be with Him. But you don't have to. Does He want you there? Absolutely.
but he gives us the choice. So I want to invite you now to say a prayer with me if you feel led to receive the Lord as your Lord and Savior. Repeat after me, dear God. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Father, I receive you in my heart, Lord. Lord, thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for my sins, Lord. And Lord, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Please forgive me, Lord, and wash me clean of all my sins. And Father, I receive you now, Lord, as one of yours. And Lord, I love you and I praise you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And as always, the greatest thing you could ever do is to say that prayer in truth. I pray that uh, that this chapter has given some insight on God. And not in, and not in the harsh way that people want to look at Him in. But in a way that God looks at us and loves us dearly. But He gives us the option to follow Him. There is so much to Him. And, and we're just barely scratching the surface here. So I pray that, that you will, that together we'll continue to, to seek Him and to see what it is that He's done, what He's continuing to do and say. So again, any requests for prayer is always open. You are all being prayed for. And I'm seeing that there's, there's also been a lot of visits from people from different countries as well. I wanna, I wanna say, uh, uh, hello to all of you and God bless you and thank you for listening and I pray that you would, you would receive the Lord and bring others to Him as well. So again, I thank you for listening and God bless you all.